0: Thank you for downloading and or streaming the newest episode of Recasted. I'm Wayne G., and I'm joined, as always, by Jesse. What's going on?
1: How are you, Wayne? It's good to see you again, and excited to talk about movies with you again.
0: Yes, extremely excited, especially for a movie that you haven't seen before this week, which we'll get into that. This week, we are talking about the movie Rounders from 1998, but as always, we always have a few TV, pop culture, movie things that we like to discuss The first thing I wanted to go over, and you can attest to this, having been married and being a guy, we all deal with it, and I don't want to be sexist. And I know this isn't about movies and pop culture, but how about when your partner, I'll say, says something to the effect of, hey, we can do that tomorrow. Let's just get ready for bed. So I go upstairs, I put on my PJs, I brush my teeth, my wife's not in bed. So I come downstairs and she's doing the thing that supposedly could have waited till tomorrow.
1: Yeah, I mean, well, in my experience, I have been in relationships with females, and I find that that's something that they are notorious for is saying one thing and doing another or not really meaning what they say. So um, that's no surprise to me, Wayne. I mean, and as someone who's been married to your lovely wife for as long as you have, that should be no shock. I mean, I'm sure it's not the first time she's played that game with you.
0: No, it happens a lot, which is why I thought of it yesterday, because we had a birthday party for my daughter, and you know, we were picking up. And it's that like classic, you know, oh, we don't have to do the dishes right now, like we, we can do that tomorrow right, and then I'm laying in bed and she's not coming to bed, so I go downstairs and she's doing the dishes. I was like, I thought you just said we could do that tomorrow,
1: right. I got myself out of clean mode i'm I'm into chill mode now. <laughs> <laughs>
0: But yeah, I thought that was funny, and I would bring it up, because I think some of our listeners must have uh, significant others who, one of the best things is, the more that you love somebody you find, the more that you hate them at the same time.
1: <laughs> oh, for sure. I think, you know, you, you go through that honeymoon phase, and then it's like, oh, I really love you for this, but then it really grinds my gears that you do that. I mean, the longer you spend with somebody, the more that those things that grind their gears, they seem to shine really bright. You know, I hate it when you breathe like that. I hate it when you do that, so... Yeah, it's it's a love-hate roller coaster for sure. That's relationships in a nutshell, folks.
0: And I'm a type of guy. I just kind of drift through life. I'm very easygoing and relaxed. We marry our opposites is what we do. And so my wife's a little bit more high-maintenance. <laughs>
1: <laughs> At least we try to marry our opposites.
0: <laughs> okay, so you had sent me a clip before we even started recording. Not a clip. You sent me a, a screenshot of Vincent D'Onofrio going to be in Hawkeye as Kingpin.
1: Yeah, I think the more that we have been able to talk about Daredevil, it seems like someone at Marvel is tapping into our show because, you know, the more we seem to talk about Daredevil and Vincent D'Onofrio, the more we seem to see him popping up on social media. So whether it be Twitter or Facebook, the Marvel news and comic book news is certainly keeping him afloat. So as one of my favorite human villains that we've seen, I think Killmonger is probably right up there with him. Those human villains that don't really have any superpowers, but they come off as very intimidating. And I think, like you mentioned, through that first season, he's very believable. You see his reason for what he's doing, so I think it's great that they're bringing somebody who had such a powerful impact on the Marvel Netflix platform into. You know, they're wrapping him right back into the story, and I think that's great because if one of those lead guys of the next phase is going to be Tom Holland, Vincent D'Onofrio fits right in. I mean, Tom Holland, and then you got Matt Murdock over there, Daredevil. I mean, he ties right in with those guys, so I think it's a smart idea for Marvel. And again, he was such a great human villain that, you know, it's wonderful to see them keep him.
0: Well, we talked about it last show is that Christopher Cox is going to reprise his role as Matt Murdock, possibly Daredevil in No Way Home. He's already finished filming his scenes. We don't know what those scenes are going to be, if he's just going to be a lawyer or if he's actually going to be Daredevil. I did send you the kind of fan-made screenshot of Daredevil shaking hands with Spider-Man and to steal from one of our favorite podcasts, Mac and Goo. I said, Pants Tent City.
1: Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I think that. Even if it is just a small moment, we, we don't need to see them together fighting crime you know, for you know a full-length movie. But if we can see them interact, I think that's more than what Marvel has done with any of the Netflix properties in the past. So it's really important for them to start integrating them, and I think we're starting to see that now. They're really hearing the fans that want them to be continued in, because Daredevil was such a great performance. I think it, it blew the movie out of the water. And I think of the four properties that Marvel and Netflix combined with, Daredevil is definitely the one that had the most success. Well, I
0: think that Daredevil is such an easy transition into the MCU as well, because he's just a regular superhero. He's a blind guy with super senses. He doesn't have superpowers. I think it's going to be a harder transition to get the X-Men into the MCU, because they would be the first characters that we see that are born with powers. They weren't chemically enhanced. They weren't gods from another planet. They're just born mutants. And we haven't seen that in any of the MCU up until this point. So it would be interesting to see how they introduce characters who allegedly, you know, Magneto goes back to the Holocaust. He had powers, you know, and it's never mentioned. Mutants are never mentioned in the MCU. And I'm just curious if it's going to be one of those multiverse things.
1: I was going to say we haven't heard it in this timeline, Wayne. But now that we know that the can of worms has been opened aggressively I think that opens up the door for a lot of things to happen over this next phase, the introduction of different properties that we haven't seen in the past, whether that be Fantastic Four or X-Men, and that would bring along you know, other characters like Silver Surfer and Doctor Doom. Um, I think all these characters are going to start to really be able to unfold over the next probably four to six years. And that's what's really exciting about Marvel is we thought, oh no, Iron Man and Captain America are gone. Thor's got his fourth movie. He's on his way out the door. What are we going to have to hold on to? all these other properties that Marvel has. I mean, between their TV shows and movies, they've got me on the edge of my seat for the next decade.
0: If you had to wager, would you say yes or no, they're going to do a new Ghost Rider?
1: I know they tried to introduce one either. I think it was on the Marvel um, Netflix platform because I know that Nicolas Cage wasn't the last image of go started that we as fans got on the TV screen. But I wouldn't shock me if they did it again. I think that's a neat enough character. And I think that could certainly be a darker story if they wanted to retell that. And I don't think that it got told well enough in any of the previous iterations that they are willing to just shelve it. I think it's all about timing.
0: And The other thing I had, as far as it concerns, the Marvel Universe is, as I mentioned, Daredevil seems like an easy slide right in. But I don't know if Daredevil is going to be a standalone movie. I think they just transition it into one of those Disney Plus series. And I know that they have talked about wanting to keep the same kind of dark, gritty series, which you have to do. That's why the fans liked it so much. I actually started to wonder, and if they want to keep it R-rated, you know, swears, people getting their brains blown out and stuff like that. they want to really keep it that way could we see an eight episode 10 episode series of deadpool
1: i think we certainly could but any of those tv shows or movies that we're going to see that are going to really cross that pg-13 threshold i think that's where we're going to see disney use their other platform in hulu and that's where they can go ahead and market things like that they're you know they no longer have that tight partnership with netflix so i think that If they want to start to reintroduce some of these characters in TV form and try and have that dark tone to it, then I think that Hulu is going to be the platform for it. That's right now, that's where Deadpool lives. And I don't think we're going to see that on Disney+. Plus. I mean, even though we're going to start to see him woven into the Marvel Cinematic Universe with those other characters, I don't believe that you're going to see those show up on Disney+. So I think that's where Disney is going to utilize Hulu and be able to maybe, you know, make it a Disney Hulu exclusive. And that's where we can see something like a Daredevil or something that's darker, maybe even a Ghost Rider. Because I don't think you can do Ghost Rider and have it be a puff piece. It's not something you can do. Same thing with Punisher. You can't continue those stories on such a... Nice platform as Disney. You need it to be gritty and dark because I agree with you. That's what the appeal was to those. Um, It was definitely different. I mean, even set itself apart from the movies we had seen. And to kind of dovetail back to what you were saying with Daredevil, I don't even know if he gets his own series. I think we just continue to see him maybe be intertwined with stories, whether it be with Spider-Man or in the future with somebody like She-Hulk. We're going to see a series with her in the next year or so. And I know that she is a lawyer. And so two lawyers you know, within that Marvel universe two that would start on TV shows. So I wouldn't be shocked if we saw him just continue to be woven into shows and movies as opposed to giving his own standalone product.
0: Yeah, I'd be disappointed if he didn't get his own standalone though, because I really did enjoy the the series, all three seasons.
1: Yeah, I mean, it would definitely stink. But I mean, if they continue to use the character himself and bring back Kingpin, you know, D'Onofrio's Kingpin, I'm going to be content because that's something they weren't willing to do in the past. So I'm excited that they're at least approaching that, that idea now. And the fact that this whole open can of worms allows them to do that with different films.
0: I know that every other episode, we tend to cast somebody who is from the walking dead. And we always talk about how neither of us have really watched the walking dead. I just started watching the series. I'm into season two. Now it's actually pretty good. I, I will say I don't like horror and it's not horror. It's not like a scary genre. It's more of like a survivalist kind of
1: show. From what I've heard, the more recent, uh, I don't even know if I want to say complaints, but notes about The Walking Dead is maybe it's gone on a bit too long. So I myself haven't even started it, but I'm curious to see if uh, as you begin to watch it and, and as you get further, if you're like, man, I really wish they'd have stopped it here or, you know, they they maybe go a bit too far. But, you know, I'm excited that at least one of us has started to kind of dive into that zombie Walking Dead aspect. I, I think that's fun. And I know it's a really popular show for a lot of fans out there. So... If we're going to continue to pluck from them and uh, i know some of those stars have found them way onto the marvel screen as well so if they're going to continue to do that then uh, i'm sure we'll both have to get our eyes on that screen
0: i was just going to say the first episode i'm watching it and right in the first five minutes i'm like oh it's john barenthal's in this and i pull up imdb and it's like oh he's in 21 episodes so he's like a main character
1: yeah him and then um the woman that played the like the top door for uh, black panther i think it was okoye She's she's also in it as well at some point from what I hear. So I know that John Bernthal is not alone there, but it's a good enough show and it went long enough that I think people were really able to create some standout performances.
0: I was able to get to see some of the new cinematic releases over the past week. And I'm going to start ones off with a movie that you said you don't want to see, which is Space Jam. It felt very much like I was watching one of those Nickelodeon made-for-TV movies like Blurt or one of those types of things. Like The production value was very, very low. And the script was atrociously bad. But I will say this. I chuckled at maybe two or three parts. And then when I finished the movie, I said, this movie sucked, but my daughter's going to like it.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I heard that criticism from you and other folks. And I just think it it's tough to kind of have it fit two things where you say, oh, well, I mean, for a kid's movie, you know, it, it did what it's supposed to do. You know, a kid will enjoy it. But at the same time, they put parts of Clockwork Orange in the movie. They put it in the movie they put rick and morty in the movie does your kid know who any of those are
0: she knows who they are but she hasn't seen any of the stuff that
1: they're in so so it just seems like while it was a movie aimed for kids it also seemed like they were aiming for adults and the adult demographic that i have heard from not impressed so i mean you you can't be a movie theater or a movie production company and try and have this movie aim at kids and adults i really find that that's very difficult i mean thinking back i don't really know many movies that That are able to hit that wide of a range i mean lego batman i guess but it's it's hard for a movie to try and have such a wide scope and i think they tried so hard i mean the whole harry potter you know universe in there just seems so wide ranging and i just remember the original space jam was mj and the looney tunes and uh it seemed like this was the looney tunes and then everybody else Warner brothers could pull in to try and get eyeballs on this movie
0: Yeah, well, they tap into, they call it the Warnerverse, because all the Warner Brothers, different universes, Mm -hmm. I understand that to a degree. For me, I guess, watching it, I wondered if adults watching Space Jam when it first came out were like, this sucks. You know, as kids, we were like, oh, this is great. And now we still like it because it has that nostalgia factor. But this is new. So we're like, oh, this isn't like the original. Well, it's not supposed to be. It's really a standalone. It's not even really a sequel I mean, even though they do reference Michael Jordan a couple of times, it's a standalone movie.
1: Yeah, I mean, I guess I'm just going to stay consistent and because I am not appealed to LeBron, I'm not going to be appealed to this. uh, LeBron is the remake of MJ. I'm not appealed to this new Space Jam movie. So he can stay in in that trash pile for me, but I'm glad you went to see it. And I'm sure my kid will want to see it at some point. Another thing I saw in the theaters that I told you about was Black Widow.
0: Yep, and uh, you went and saw it before I did. But I was like, I have to watch this movie, and I watched it with my daughter because we're both big Marvel people, so we had to watch it together. And I know you and I chatted a little bit off the screen here about it, and I said I didn't really like this movie. I thought it was very, very boring. There was a lot of dialogue. There were some positives, which I'll get to, but for the most part, I just felt it was very slow and very boring. And Even my daughter, I could tell she was getting bored with all the talking
1: Yeah, I think two main complaints of this movie that, you know, we share, and I think a lot of other fans will share, are one of them being, this movie shouldn't have come out this late. I mean, it should have been a few years ago. That way it fit more in the timeline and and when Natasha was more relevant. I mean, it's hard to kind of put ourselves in, uh, tell me more about this person, when realistically, she's been in almost every movie since Iron Man 2. She has top three most screen time of all these Marvel characters, because She's been in so many of them, including the Avengers and now this, and she's been looped in other things. So we've seen her so much that, I mean, maybe at this point, the full-length movie was a bit tiresome to some, but I enjoyed it. I thought that it was really good. I mean, I would personally have it within the top half of the Marvel movies, and I think you shared that you'd probably have it closer to the bottom half. So maybe eventually we'll be able to kind of get into a bit of a deeper ranking here for some of our fans so they can see where we sit, because I think there were some... Some hot takes thrown around where I think you said it's right near the bottom, and I certainly didn't have it near the bottom. I think that there were some introductions of characters like, you know, Yelena, who I thought she she blew it away. I think, you know, she stole the show, the entire film. And I think, like what Marvel has tried to do over the past few films, is also weave in some comedy, and I think they did that. I think that, you know, the Red Guardian was someone that I wouldn't mind seeing again, and I know that we're going to see Yelena going forward as well.
0: Yeah, I think the Red Guardian was funny. I think that some of the jokes tried a little too hard. And I know you and I talked about like Easter eggs that were thrown in there that I felt like didn't need to be. I felt like they were only thrown in there just to be thrown in there. You know what I mean? They didn't really serve any sort of purpose within the movie itself. It's just kind of like, hey, here's a callback to something. And I don't know. I just didn't. I, I really think it was the lack of action. Because I know that you said Iron Man 3. You know, you're not a fan of that movie. I actually enjoy that movie, but there's a lot of action in it, too. So it's not like a lot of sitting around.
1: Yeah, Iron Man 3 has one of the worst villains that Marvel has ever produced for us, ever. I mean, first of all, the lie about the Mandarin, and then this little on-fire guy. So It was a a really poor movie for me. I mean, we saw a lot of robot Iron Mans, a lot of unmanned Iron Mans in that movie, Um, blowing shit up in the the sky. But in all honesty, I think we saw some helicopter scene here. I think we saw some Mission Impossible, Born series, even some james bond-esque type scenes and chase or fight scenes in here so i was i was really enthralled throughout i mean unfortunately i had to tinkle while i was at the theater um can't pause the big theater screen so i missed a couple seconds there but overall i was really happy with the film i would definitely watch it again just that's not one of those things that i'm going to sit home and watch on the disney plus platform that's something that i wanted to go see in the theater i think i was just very excited to get back and see marvel on the big screen
0: and i think that's where we differ is that i mentioned i like to have rewatchability as a main factor in my rating system and this movie wasn't super rewatchable for me like i was like eh, okay i'm probably not gonna watch this again i did say i want to bring up a positive thing and that was taskmaster was awesome i loved taskmaster and i'm not gonna say what happens to taskmaster or who it is i'm not gonna spoil anything but i am gonna say awesome awesome i loved the taskmaster
1: Yep, the idea and the concept of that villain was very, very awesome. Maybe just some mismanagement with that character. Um, but I think overall, very awesome concept.
0: So my daughter remembered Taskmaster from a Spider-Man cartoon series with Deadpool. I think it was Ultimate Deadpool, where they yep. fight Taskmaster. And she remembered him from that. And Deadpool being the only one that could fight him because Deadpool's moves are so random, you can't copy them.
1: Right. Yeah, so it would have been something awesome to see more of. But overall, great movie, and I certainly recommend it. I think anybody that's a Marvel fan is going to like to see this bow that they tie on the Black Widow story.
0: Well, that covers everything I had on the pop culture front. I wasn't sure if you had anything additional you wanted to throw in.
1: Nothing new here. Nope. I'm uh, I'm very excited to talk about this movie. Um, you presented it to me. And just the name alone, I don't think I had even seen the movie. And I remember a friend of ours who um was into gambling and he had mentioned oh i love this movie one of my favorites and now i can see why
0: all right well let's uh, jump right into it let's do it <laughs> Today, we are going to be recasting the 1998 movie Rounders, directed by John Dahl. Before this, he had directed Red Rock West, I believe, with Nicolas Cage, The Last Seduction and Unforgettable. Sounds like all three of those movies were forgettable. And then he did Rounders. And so I have a short plot synopsis. This comes straight from Wikipedia. It says, Mike McDermott loses his money in a poker game against Russian gangster Teddy KGB. Under pressure from his girlfriend, Joe, he promises to quit gambling. This lasts until his friend Lester Worm Murphy gets out of prison and needs to pay off an old debt. The pair come close to earning the money back but are caught cheating. Then Mike finds out the debt is owed to Teddy and makes one last-ditch effort to beat the Russian. The movie's two hours and one minutes long. You saw it for the very first time this week. How'd you like it?
1: Uh, it felt a little long, but I think, on the whole, it was it was a fun movie, I think. Not something we see these days with like the narration style. Where you know we have you know Matt Damon's character really kind of narrating a lot of the film to us in certain bits, but I think overall I enjoyed the movie. I think him and Edward Norton did a great job in their roles. I've always been a big fan of Malkovich, so I think this movie was fun. Not a genre that I think I would just run to go see different movies uh, like this, but Rounders was something I did enjoy.
0: Yeah, I enjoyed this movie a lot. Very rewatchable for me. I've watched it a number of times now. I do like the chemistry between Edward Norton and Matt Damon as kind of friends who we all have that one friend that kind of drags us down, makes poor decisions. You want to get them away from you because they constantly are bringing you down, but they're also your friend. Like Matt Damon mentions in this movie, he's like, I've known this guy since we were kids.
1: Yeah. owes him, owes him a bit of debt because, you know, worm never squealed. And, uh, it just seems like worm is kind of holding it over his head always. And he's like, Oh, come on, man. You know, he, he. that was something that I carried through the film it was just this guy just continued to, to, to be a pest and a pain in the ass.
0: Yeah, but overall, and Edward Norton is always, always fantastic. Everything. He's yeah, in. he crushed it. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that, you know, Malkovich is fantastic as well. I'm excited for you to hear some of my choices because like I said to you, I have a couple curveballs here for you that you're not going to see coming. But yeah, that said, I mean, I don't know if you want to go first with Mike or if you want me to take the reins.
1: You go first, Wayne.
0: All right. So Mike McDermott is played by Matt Damon. He's 28 years old when he takes on this role. He was previously in School Ties, Courage Under Fire, Goodwill Hunting, The Rainmaker, and Saving Private Ryan. Needless to say, pretty accomplished actor at this point.
1: Who, who uh, was he? Saving Private Ryan? Yeah, Private Ryan. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, all right, so when I'm looking at this role, I was thinking somebody handsome, kind of a good-looking guy, uh, 24 to 25. I said Matt Damon was 28 in this role, but you remember he's a law student, so I'm thinking he's in that 24 to 25 range, finishing up law school. And I was thinking somebody who's, Kind of shy, but charming, has like a quiet confidence about him. You know, he walks in the room, he's very confident, but it's not overbearing. It's just, you know, he's kind of a cool guy. And I was really looking through a lot of different actors for this character and trying to find somebody with name recognition, which I'll be honest with you, I couldn't find somebody with the name recognition that Matt Damon had at the time that he did this movie. And so I ended up going with somebody who does have some name recognition, although it may not be his. And that is Patrick Schwarzenegger. I have uh, Patrick Schwarzenegger was previously in the movie Grown Ups 2. He just plays a jock. He was in Midnight Sun. He was in Daniel Isn't Real. He's a good looking guy. He doesn't really look like his dad a whole lot. And I think that he looks the part. And what I ended up having to do, like I do with a lot of these roles, is go through and start watching movie clips of stuff that he had been in. And I came away very confident that he could pull this off.
1: Okay, yeah, definitely not familiar with the first name, but uh, anybody who says they're not familiar with the last name, turn off our podcast now, (laughs) go go ahead to YouTube and search that last name. For sure, uh, very recognizable. Um, Not anything I've seen, I haven't seen him in anything to date, but I mean, if he's got that last name, maybe it'll kind of help kickstart him into more roles um, that are recognizable in the future. I think just based on the picture you provided us here on screen, that he definitely can pull that off. I mean, he looks like somebody who, is, you know, in college, um, you know, in law school in about 1998. So I think, uh, you know, spot on representation of what the character should look like. You know, I'm not going to knock you too hard on name recognition, because I think this is probably about our 12th or 13th movie together, Wayne. And we always seem to pick a, a movie that has a star or two within that 20 to 30s range. So I don't want to say the bucket's getting empty. But, you know, I think as far as like star power, we may be finding it harder to fit both the name recognition and the look. So yeah, I can't. It- Can't fault you there.
0: We are going to do some almost recasted at the end of this, and there are some names that we've already recasted that I consider for this role, and I'm not against doing that. I mentioned that to you. I don't care about if we're Scorsese and we cast the same guy in every movie. That's fine, but I do try to keep it a little bit fresh.
1: Yeah, I think you know you and I both have you know an idea of trying to keep this uh, more creative. So as far as I've tried, I've tried not to dip into that bucket again, but. I like the look of your character a lot. I'd probably have to take myself to YouTube to see if I can familiarize myself with how this guy talks, because I think that Matt Damon was, um, even though he seemed confident at the table, he seemed more soft-spoken. So um, hopefully, you know, you know, young Schwarzenegger kind of portrays that, because old Schwarzenegger pretty loud, boisterous. My character, I went with somebody that I think checks off the box with name recognition. And I'm excited to see what you think of him because I know that you are somebody who has really given your blessing in his next uh, and his upcoming performance. And so um, I went with somebody a little bit older. Um, I know law students can you know, be in their young 20s, but I'd say maybe to me he's more mid-20s. And so I went with somebody who is about 32 or 33 right now, and that's Robert Pattinson. I think he's got the look. He's got that soft-spoken, even soft-features look. He's a good-looking guy. I think clean-shaven, he can certainly fit into that mid-20s range. And I think that he has the name recognition. We know Robert Pattinson from several things. I think originally I saw him in Harry Potter as Seth Diggory. Then he was obviously Edward in the Twilight movies. But what has Wayne pretty excited is uh, Robert Pattinson is the next Batman. And so probably a little brooding in his next film, but at least for this one, I think he could pull off looking like that lanky college kid, soft-spoken, good-looking guy.
0: Yeah, I think that was a great choice. I think that he is a tremendous actor. He's got the acting chops as a word we like to throw around a lot. I think he can definitely pull off the role. The only question I would have, because I've never seen him do it, he's probably going to do it in the new Batman movie, is the American accent. Can he pull that off? Because even in Tenet, he was still kind of like, I don't know if he's Australian or something, he still had a little bit of that British accent,
1: uh, I felt I, like. so. I take it you didn't watch any of the Twilight Saga.
0: Yeah, but, I guess that's, that's true.
1: That doesn't really have the the heavy you know, British accent, in my opinion. I think he certainly pulls off an Americanized teenager in there.
0: Okay, yeah, you're right. And like you said, star power, perfect. Very comparable, I think, to what Damon had coming into this in terms of recognition. So I do like it a lot. I don't know why I didn't have him. Maybe it was the accent in my mind. I just couldn't get that out of my head.
1: Yeah, looking at Damon's resume, I just had to think, you know, where is this guy coming from? And I was like, I just- Bing, bing, bing. And then he had a a few bangers afterwards as well. But where he was at, I wanted to find somebody that would really catch your your attention. And then I I really, I wouldn't say I've loved what Robert Pattinson has done to this point in his career, but I know that he has accomplished as far as what he's done in the indie circuit and what he's done for some of the bigger movies. I know that he continues to round himself in the form for somebody who's in his 30s. So I think getting um, a role like Batman is huge for him. And um, that's where I was like, man, who's a bigger star right now than this guy for this this demographic? And so I was excited with that pick. Really, what I'm going
0: to see is how he interacts with your Worm character because we talked about it before we started getting into the recasting. That Edward Norton crushes this role. I know you, you're going to take over for. I'm not trying to stop on your toes, but so oh, no it, It's just a matter of seeing. Like I felt like Edward Norton out Matt Damon, so I'm curious if you're going to get an even be- better actor for Worm. We'll see where it goes from here. So,
1: I don't think I'm going to. Uh, have somebody who outacts Robert Pattinson uh, or um, my Matt Damon here. I have somebody who certainly has chemistry with uh, Robert Pattinson. And I have somebody to me who is a pest. I think um, that's probably the nicest way that I can put Worm's character. I think he wants to be what Mike is. He wants to have the confidence and the well manners. He wants to be where mike's at you know he, he kind of makes fun of it but i think it's more of a jealousy thing and not like a uh, this woman has a house trained uh, so i want someone who's a pest and someone who has played that pest in in films and i went with tom felton people would know as draco malfoy That was my biggest thing was the accent with him. So I went online and tried to find him doing a few different American accents and found different clips that I found myself to be comfortable with. I think that over a seven to eight year stretch, that guy built himself into being, I wouldn't say a villain, but a a pest and annoyance. And I think that's what I see as uh, Edward Norton portraying here is a pest and annoyance.
0: All right. So yeah, I can definitely see Draco Malfoy as that type of role. Somebody who you don't like, he's very dislikable every time you see him on screen, I guess my only concern with him is the the, kind of like the prep school look that he has. Like he's even when he plays that pest, he's kind of the richy rich, you know, guy. And Worm is kind of like a down in the dumps South Boston kind of guy, just like grew up kind of trashy and maybe even grew up in a trailer park. I don't know. He just seems like that. He doesn't seem like he came from a prep school, you know. Although he might have because Mike was talking about how they did their whole scam at the prep school. So yeah, I can definitely see him pulling that off, and I definitely can see him being Not likable, which is what Worm is, but also being that friend that even though you don't like him, you still have to keep him around somehow.
1: Yeah, I think he's definitely going to be not likable next to, you know, my Robert Pattinson. And I think that, again, you know, to hit on what you mentioned, I don't think he even comes close to the acting ability of what Edward Norton has or portrays in this film. But I think just we saw him grow into a pest and we saw him grow into an annoying figure. And I think that you know wardrobe probably does a lot i think when you're wearing a uniform it kind of makes you look like you can only fit in that one typecasted thing but i think when you take that uniform off if maybe you throw some broken down clothes maybe he looks a little better or more fit for the part
0: again you know i don't really go a whole lot on looks when i'm recasting it, i do think that he does have many of the characteristics that he's going to need to succeed in this role so it's an interesting pairing for sure uh i'd love to see you know how that plays out and how i guess the rest of the cast will play out and
1: the rest of the Terry Potter cast. As oh, well. awesome. Yeah. Ah. So gonna, <laughs> um,
0: yeah. For me, I looked at it and I saw, you know, Edward Norton was 29. when he did the role prior to this. He had done Primal Fear was his first ever movie. And he won the Golden Globe for Best Supporting Actor in the movie as his first try. And obviously we saw him in American History X, The People versus Larry Flint. He's Woody Harrelson's lawyer. So he's only done like 60 roles even to this point. And now 2021 He's very, very picky and selective with the roles that he does. He definitely seems like that kind of... We talked about Daniel Day-Lewis being kind of like a theater nerd. Like, I'm only going to take certain roles. And he crushes every single one of them. So... I was looking for somebody who was kind of a a shady, slimy, kind of douchebaggery loser, right? Uh, I think I put here, can't stay out of trouble and takes everybody down with him. And I wanted somebody who would really encapsulate that role. And I did pick somebody who is actually an extremely good actor. I don't know if I'll say as good as Edward Norton, but he, I, I will say he's as good as Edward Norton. He's in that category. And this is a tremendous actor. I think he's the right age. He would be my Mike's best friend who's also kind of a sleaze bag, and when you see him you're going to know it for sure and that is Shia LaBeouf who you know we all know from Transformers Fury Eagle Eye Kingdom of the Crystal Skull he is kind of Hollywood's douchebag I guess to say and uh, I think he would be the perfect worm in this role
1: oh so any of our our recasted OG fans would know that's my wild thing So, yeah, I think Wild Things certainly encapsulates that as well. I think we see Worm being wild. I think, you know, just thinking about that one setting where they're at, almost like a VFW-type setting where there's a bunch of cops, and, uh, you know, Matt Damon's character goes in, uh, Mike goes in, and he's really doing well for himself. And then, unfortunately, here comes Worm to screw it all up. And so it was really a shame to see that happen, and they both get their ass beat pretty handedly for that. Yeah, I certainly see that. I think Shia LaBeouf is not anybody's favorite character going back from even stevens he was a bit of an annoying pest in that in that show as well i think that's probably our introduction to him or at least to a large audience on the tv screen is uh, even stevens i think it was on the disney channel so yeah a pest there and just continues to be a pest that outside of his movie uh, roles has become annoying as well so great choice there
0: and then we go to teddy kgb who is the antagonist in this film he's the one who holds all the debt for worm Very kind of a scary guy, right? He was in the KGB, supposedly, and he killed people. And you don't want to mess with this guy. And John Malkovich plays him great. The one knock I think he gets from people is that his accent is really bad. in this movie has the Russian accent. But he's good. It
1: it wasn't a fantastic accent. But, I mean, it it sold what it needed to.
0: And he's an extremely accomplished actor at this point. I believe he got an Academy Award at this point for In the Line of Fire with Clint Eastwood. He was in Empire of the Rising Sun, of Mice and Men, Alive, Con Air, Man in the Iron Mask, which I know is a movie that you like. Yep. So he's done quite a bit. And
1: we and talked this, and our, this came just before a movie becoming John Malkovich.
0: <laughs> right, exactly. And it was right before that. And we talked about, you know, how Matt Damon said, John Malkovich is going to show up. And it was a big deal that he was showing up on set. So he's the big name actor. I didn't get a big name actor to portray him, but I wanted somebody who would encapsulate that kind of scary Russian mobster KGB type and so I went with Mads Mikkelsen he is in Casino Royale Quantum of Solace Clash of the Titans he's in Doctor Strange he plays Cassilius. Uh he just seems like a scary dude he looks like he was in the KGB so I figured he would be a good role there and, and hopefully he pulls off a better Russian accent than Malkovich
1: yeah that definitely looks like a good fit um, I'm familiar with him I mean being intertwined there with he just named two Bond films I think that puts him in a certain category there. So I think he could certainly pull off the vibes he needs to. And uh, he has that look as well, I think. His um, shorter hair, maybe wearing you know the Russian jacket there. We could certainly see him walking around the, the poker table and saying some cocky things because he is as good as he is. So I love your casting, and I'm curious to, to hear what you uh, have to say about mine. My guy here, I, I felt like I had to go with somebody who was very established, somebody who was a big actor, and somebody who could nail accents, And uh, I went with a guy named Johnny Depp. Have you seen um, the, um, I'm not going to, I'm not sure the name of the movie, but where he plays Whitey Bulger.
0: No, no, it was. um, Oh, I know what you're talking about though. Yeah, I know what you're talking about.
1: So if you look at him right there, I think he he almost nails the look of what Teddy KGB looks like. And I, if I were to ask you where Johnny Depp was born, where would you say?
0: Orange County, California.
1: So I, I asked my mom the same question. She goes probably like London, somewhere in Europe. Guy was born in Kentucky. Oh, He's been, been, been acting forever. I mean, be, between Willy Wonka and the Alice in Wonderland. And, you know, the guy can obviously do some crazy things with his voices. And so I think he'd be able to pull off a Russian accent. I think after looking at what he looked like in the Whitey Bulger film, he could definitely pull off the look. And I think he has the name value that John Malkovich had. I think that, you know, Johnny Depp has a resume. Oh,
0: he's a fantastic choice, and like you said, big-name actor, taking kind of the third biggest role in the film, which I don't think he's opposed to, if he feels like he could pull off something amazing, which I think he could. right? It would be interesting, like you said, to hear him do the accent, because we've heard him do a lot of different types of accents. Uh, my favorite being Jack Sparrow with the drunk British yeah. guy.
1: <laughs> yeah, and, and this one would have to be a little bit more aggressive than I think anything we've probably heard him do, but I think he would really take it serious, and I think that he would crush it.
0: Yeah, and I can see him being the intimidating head of this cartel or whatever he is in New York where people kind of fear him.
1: Right. Yeah. He's in that circle, he is the big cheese.
0: You know what? I'd kind of like to see him play this part as you said, the Russian jacket that we see Malkovich wearing. I would almost want to see Johnny Depp be a little bit more intimidating, maybe like a, a wife beater with tats down both arms. Kind of.
1: Yeah. I mean, I'm sure he could, he could portray. I just don't want him to get like too Jared Leto Joker ish. Like don't yeah. go too, don't 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 go too crazy. man. we don't need a grill.
0: <laughs> but no, I like that so far I think Johnny Depp's great
1: I think um, what we have next is Kanish Yep, Joey Kanish um, And this is played by, is it John Turturro?
0: Yep, John Turturro, 41 years uh, old
1: So Turturro, uh, a, a pretty popular name on the podcast Over the last couple of weeks after Wayne broke the news That he has a sibling that's also been in TV that I've seen You know, Turturro, um a great actor We've seen him in several things um, I thought he was kind of strictly co- you know, comedic But he's done all kinds of other stuff too but I mean, I know, I know him from Mr. Deeds. That's probably the funniest thing I've seen him in. I thought he did a good job here of being the more concerned, less sharky type of poker player and more of a, I do this for my living. I don't do this to take people down or to owe people debts, that type of role. Just a few minutes in this movie, I was kicking myself for casting Adam Sandler in that stupid Goodfellas role because I was like, man, this is probably where Adam Sandler would have crushed it. So that's a, it's a spoiler um, for my almost there. Uh, but... I wanted to pick somebody that kind of gave me those same vibes as, you know, a Sandler or a Totoro, and I went with Andy Samberg. I think he's maybe not old enough to be Robert Pattinson's senior here, but I don't really think he's like a an uncle or a dad figure. He's more somebody that Mike looks up to. And so I think if, if Andy could pull off that look, then he'd be able to crush it. Again, mostly comedic stuff for him, but I think he could be serious enough to pull this off.
0: Yeah, I'm not worried about his comedic – or not his comedic, but his dramatic acting as much. I I guess my concern with the Sandberg is the age. You brought it up that he's not really a senior to Robert Pattinson. And I always felt like Kanish was kind of like – that's one of the the very first thing I have here for description is Mike's senior. Literally, that's what I have written down. He's somebody who's a little bit older. He's almost like a mentor to Mike, trying to teach him how to live the life. Uh, He is a grinder. He talks about how he supports his family with this truck route that he – that's kind of like a side business he does is owning these truck routes so i don't know seeing andy samberg almost seems like he would be a college buddy of mike more than he would be like his mentor and yeah
1: i I think it's it's probably closer to like a eight to ten year age difference but it's just i can definitely admit to not being the the gap that it was in the original film
0: yeah that would be my only concern with it like i said i don't really concern myself with whether or not somebody does majority drama or or comedy because they can all act they're actors i mean they can do pretty much anything and I'm not saying that I think Andy Sandberg would actually be a really good worm, I actually think that would be a kind of a a good role for him, like Mike's friend, who's kind of a losery. I can see that more so than this role here. So that would be my criticism is just the age really kind of takes me out of it for him because I can't buy into him being Mike's mentor at that age. So that's as I mentioned what I have is Mike senior mentor, experienced. He's calculating. You brought up a lot of that stuff. He doesn't take a lot of risks. They make fun of him for being a quote-unquote grinder. Like he just grinds it out for eight hours. That's, that's his full-time job is playing cards. Yeah. But he says, you know, this is how I support my family. He calls Mike a punk for challenging on it. And actually even Mike sticks up to him with Worm when Worm says, you don't think that's work what he does in there? And Mike goes, that's what I used to think, but I've done real work now. Okay, I've done, like I've hauled stuff on a truck. Like him sitting there playing cards, that's not work. Right. So, anyway, so I understood like this is his mentor. And this is the first curveball I'm going to throw you because, as I mentioned, Patrick Schwarzenegger is my mic. I wanted his mentor to be Idris Elba, who is 49 years old. Really doesn't need an introduction. He's in the Marvel Universe as uh, Heimdall in the Thor movies. He's in The Last Gunslinger, Hobbs and Shaw, Pacific Rim. He's in The Office as Charles. But I felt like he would be such a great mentor and he has such a calm voice and he's so. Like you just listen to his voice to fall asleep. Like he's just so calm and cool and collect. You could definitely picture him saying, "Hey, listen, Mike, this isn't the right play for you, man. You know you should be putting this in play." You know, I can definitely picture him being Mike's mentor.
1: Absolutely, he's definitely um, more a uh, calm, good guy comparison to you know where we see is you know Teddy and, and any of the other uh, you know poor influences that we see in the film. So I think the Idris is a A great casting. Uh, I think that he's way more physically imposing than I think we see Totoro play, but that doesn't really matter. Uh, I think you know, in a coat and in uh, you know, at a card table, that really won't come into play. So I think overall, great pick for this guy.
0: Yeah, I really liked it. When I was doing the casting, I was like, "Oh, this is I love this." I'm like, he'd be perfect for my Patrick Schwarzenegger kind of. Maybe he steals some of the scenes from him, but that's fine.
1: Yeah, I mean that's all right. I mean. I think Totoro was just a, a nice, calm, sense, sensible voice in the movie, and it was nice to hear.
0: The kind of thug that we're going to cast, I believe, is Grandma. Or Gr- I always thought they were saying Grammar, but I guess it's spelled G-R-A-M-A, uh, Grandma. And he is working for Teddy KGB. I got the impression in the movie that he used to work with Mike and Worm because Worm's like, hey, I'll throw you a job. I got something I'm working on. And Grandma was like, no, I'm not working for you anymore. I'm working I'm for on KGB.
1: My- I'm on my own, actually, yeah.
0: Yeah, and when he's like, hey, how'd you get the uh, – because I bought up all your debt, and then uh, now it's all you owe it all to me. What I got from Grandma, believe it or not, when I typed in what I was looking for, I typed in homeless-looking actors because <laughs> I wanted somebody who looked kind of like he'd been living in a street. Uh, he has that look to him. Uh, looks kind of like a stocky Italian guy, right? He looks kind of tough. Like, you wouldn't want to mess with him, but there's definitely no respect there from Worm or Mike. They don't respect him at all. And I wanted to find somebody like who would be a tough guy like you really wouldn't want to mess with, but you're also not afraid to. And I went with somebody who's done mostly only TV. In fact, he's most famous for being a child TV star. And that is Danny Bonaducci, or, as I would say, Danny Partridge is how people remember him. He's done a lot, a lot, a lot of TV stuff. He usually plays himself. He's done some of the celebrity boxing. He's actually pretty jacked, but he seems like that kind of guy who he's kind of a dirtbag and you would actually mess with him, but then feel bad that you mess with them afterwards
1: yeah I, I think you know the again the picture you find you know really kind of speaks volumes for your your choices and that picture of bonducci right there really it, it amplifies you know what you want him to look like and i think that jacket that he doesn't look happy at all i mean even when you know he's probably winning he's not happy and i think that that's a good look it's not somebody i'm you know familiar with i think the the Proctor family was just a tad before me but I'm I'm familiar with the name more for his um, his gimmicky type stuff that he's done now. But I think his current stature, his current look, certainly fits the bill. Great. I had a, a pretty tough time um, with this one. It was my second to last one, and I wouldn't say you know my last two were throwaways, but I wanted to find good fits for him. I didn't go googling homeless actors, but they're uh, <laughs> homeless looking homeless looking actors. But I did start with you know I wanted some some chubbier looking fellows. You know this guy didn't look to be in shape. I ended up landing on somebody who again i think has leaned more in the comedic stuff but he's also branching out and i went with i think and this fits in with what you would said with his character where he kind of starts out as more of maybe Mike and worms on their level and then kind of elevates himself a bit more because of his relationship with teddy i went with danny mcbride um okay. i think i think he's got that look for me i think he could rock that same facial hair that same look the same cap and jacket that we see grandma doing and I think he can pull off the tough guy while also being like kind of like the I don't respect the way this guy handles himself, tough guy.
0: Yeah, I agree a hundred percent. I think that when I think of him, I think of the character in Eastbound and Down, which is exactly who Grandma is, basically. He's like he's down. He's eastbound and down. He's just throw a jacket on him and he's ready to go.
1: Um also if you've seen Pineapple Express, I think his character in Pineapple Express, he's kind of the friend of james franco's um you know drug dealer but he's he's kind of like a step higher as far as closer to the main drug dealer and he kind of gets them in trouble and i think that he just kind of fits that bill for me the look wise and just his character i think he could he could pull it off
0: yeah i agree 100 percent. i can definitely picture him beating up draco malfoy in the bathroom for sure
1: (laughs) right and then getting pissed at the table you know towards the end of the movie when matt damon really starts to get in teddy's head so our next one here um, that I'm gonna be able to give up is uh, Joe. And I'm gonna use a word that I know you have used in the past with certain roles. I think she just comes off very wholesome. She comes off innocent. She gives us a very a very good girl vibe. Not a ton of speaking parts, but we see the relationship that she has with Mike, with Matt Damon's character. And it seems like she's a very powerful, but she's quiet, she's innocent, and she's wholesome. And so I went with someone that you're gonna be familiar with just based on um, you being a dad of a girl, and that's Dove Cameron. She is in the descendant movies. She's also found herself in some other of the uh, the Disney properties. And I think from there she may jumpstart herself into you know bigger screens outside of the Disney Channel. But prior to this, the actress that played Joe um was really just typecasted as like a girlfriend in some of those films. And so I think here, you know, Dove Cameron plays a girlfriend who's going to be uh, I guess, eventually turning into a wife of the fairy tales uh kids here. That's what the descendants is, is Disney's uh, villains having kids
0: yeah, I like Dove Cameron a lot. actually. I think I've had her on my list probably three or four times of somebody's recasting. she never quite makes it. But she's somebody who I would like to see get that big screen opportunity to break away from Disney and do something a little bit different. As you mentioned, Gretchen Mall, who originally played this role after this film, she goes on, she has the thirteenth floor and she starts to have kind of a career after this. But this was like her first big breakout role. And so I can definitely see giving it to somebody like that. I have no problem with Dove Cameron. I guess. And I think it's a great choice. I'm going to say that, a great choice. There is a bit of an age gap, I think, between her and Pattinson. There you know, is. I feel like they're this, about the same age in the movie. They're both in law school at the same time. Uh, so she seems a little bit younger, but she could always play it off if she's a freshman and he's like maybe in his you know, second year of graduate school or something. You, know, you can play it off. But I like her. The look is perfect. I think she's got the absolute perfect look for it, particularly uh, when she does the blonde hair.
1: Right, and, and that's what I was looking for. is just somebody who isn't going to blow you away name and recognition-wise, but someone who looks wise can fit that innocent and wholesome role, and I wasn't going to pick Hayden Penetieri again.
0: <laughs> well, she might be a little bit too big, I think,
1: right yeah, for the role.
0: Uh, I went with somebody who, again, similar to you. She's got some name recognition from stuff that she's done, but she's not a huge star. Uh, she has the right look, and without beating around the bush too much, I went with Chloe Grace Moretz. She's 24 years old. She was in Kick-Ass, Kick-Ass 2, Greta. She was the lead in Carrie. I think that she has that wholesome look. And actually, the, the note that I put here for Joe is we did when we did the plot summary, it said that Joe makes Mike promise not to gamble anymore, but we didn't ever see that in the movie. What I put down for Joe is she's actually an enabler. Like She lets him kind of do whatever he wants. And so I wanted somebody who my Mike, Patrick Schwarzenegger, have her in his life she looks like she would be his girlfriend they're about the same age but she also looks like somebody who wouldn't tell him what to do
1: right yeah i think in the movie we don't really see the my way or the highway from her at all she just basically makes a decision and says hey you know i'm gonna separate myself and keep myself focused and we kind of see them kind of circle back towards the very end but i think that the actress you chose they're very pretty um i think that with um you know your mike could really fit as a believable couple a couple that's going to law school together and they really rely on each other. You can see where their relationship gets even more so strained after Mike starts dipping back into gambling because he's on like a, a law team. I would say that three or four person team.
0: Yeah. And he's like the head lawyer too.
1: Yeah. So it it doesn't look great, but yeah, I think, I think Chloe is, is a great actress. I've seen her in several things so far. And I think this is probably one of the, the bigger things that she could do is do a, a remake with this. Yeah,
0: I agree. Too. I think it'll be a good role. Uh, next role, really, I have Judge Prostrovsky, who was played by Martin Landau, a big famous actor who got his break in, uh, in North by Northwest with Cary Grant back in like the 50s. And he's done just all kinds of TV. Going through his IMDb, it was like two episodes, one episode, two episodes, two episodes, one episode. He does a lot of guest spots. But he's a very big name in Hollywood, Martin Landau. He's probably uh, got a Walk of Fame star and whatnot. In this movie, he's 70 years old. I put here elderly... I put Jewish because he does have the story about how when he left from becoming a rabbi to be a lawyer, his mom like broke her heart. Right. Um, very smart, kind, maybe naive with the world that he that Mike lives in. He doesn't know anything about that world, but he's very supportive of Mike, and he believes in Mike with all of his fiber. Like, Mike, I really believe you can be anything you want, and I want to help you get there. It's an amazing scene when he gives him the money, the, the 15000 at the end, uh, right. just how much he believes in him. And I love that Mike pays him back too. He's like, hey, can you give this to the judge for me? Uh, I thought that was fantastic. So that's what I was looking for. I went with an actor who's got a little bit more of a comedic background. But like I said, I don't really take that into consideration. His name is Bob Balaban. He's 66 years old. You would recognize him from Seinfeld, he was the head of NBC. He has appeared 121 times as an actor, but always in comedic roles. He was in three to tango, always plays kind of like a role, just like Martin Landau. He's just kind of one episode, two episode kind of guy. But I feel like he has that look. He has the right age. He's a Jewish actor. He looks the part. I think that he would just be a great sympathetic, you know, judge for Mike.
1: I almost thought we were going to have the same guy there, Wayne, <laughs> uh, but uh, you know, really good choice. I think by the look of him, I was familiar with him, Um And I think, he could certainly fit that role that he needs to. I think he's a very caring guy. Someone who's worked himself up to be a judge, um, and you know, plays in that that judge's game that we see kind of um, Mike step in on and uh, really kind of flex his muscle. And uh, yeah, a- again, without beating around the bush, uh, on my end, I went with Henry Winkler. I think uh, you know, look wise, age wise, I think he comes off as caring both in Waterboy and in Click as the father of Adam Sandler and Click. I think he's got that the Jewish look. I think he's got the gray hair. And I think that Henry Winkler is a guy that could really crush this year.
0: I think so as well. I think that seeing him in the show Barry, he plays kind of like that father figure to you know, Bill Hader. I think that he definitely has that kind of role that he's played a number of times now. I think he's a perfect fit in terms of what he's done in the past, in terms of how he looks. Uh, like you said, the white here. He looks like an older gentleman who's been around law for a long time and understands it. And would be sympathetic to Mike, and especially with Robert Pattinson as Mike, that age difference is absolutely perfect. So I think Henry Winkler is a great choice. Uh, obviously, much bigger name actor than my guy, who I was just kind of pulling. Like I said he's more of a uh, known as a TV actor, but I like Henry Winkler a lot for this w- role. I think that so far, other than Andy Samberg, I think it's so far it's crushed it pretty much.
1: I really I haven't watched Barry, but I've heard good things about it. So have you watched it? Have you enjoyed it?
0: I, I really like it a lot. Yeah. Basically, he's obviously a hitman. If you know the plot, he's a hitman that takes an acting class in L.A. I think by accident he was like hiding in this room and he starts acting and he's not very good at acting. But Henry Winkler is the acting teacher and he's trying to teach Barry how to be an actor. And he kind of falls in love with doing that. And he'd rather do that than be a hitman.
1: OK, I'll have to watch it because that sounds that sounds very interesting. And I didn't even know that, you know, Winkler is part of that role as well. You know, I think both guys could certainly pull off what they need to in that older, wiser role. And uh, I've got the last one here with, uh, is it Petra? Petra, yeah,
0: played by Famke Jensen.
1: Yeah. I don't know where I recognize her from, but as I'm watching it with my mom, I go, where have I seen her before? Um, I'm Excellent. trying to think. Of, okay. Uh, was she Jean Grey? Yep. There we go. Okay. Uh, whew, I probably would have to look at her IMDb. That's the last one I picked that was an in the shower pick Wayne. And for this one, I found, um, I found, I reached back into one of my buckets. You know, I have either a Marvel bucket or a Friday night lights bucket. So I reached into my Friday night lights bucket and I picked out Tyra. It's, uh, Adrian Palicki. I think, uh, she, um, look wise could certainly be someone who is going to looks like she could fit in that, that game, that world of, you know, poker and I'm um, really the slums, I guess. And, uh, she, in one small uh, moment, seems to, uh, I don't really know if they're recalling any love or she just she lusts after Mike. But uh, I think that she is someone that you know I've lusted over.
0: <laughs> no, I agree. And I think that I've looked at her for a bunch of different roles in some of the recastings that we've done. I don't feel like she looks the same as she did when she did Friday Night Lights. I always thought she was very attractive in Friday Night Lights. But as she's gotten a little bit older, I feel like she's lost a little bit of that. She was in G.I. Joe, Rise of Cobra, I think. She just hasn't aged well to me, but to point out, you know, Jesse and I always have one to two what we call throwaway roles because we're trying to get the eight roles that we're recasting. This was a throwaway role. I think she only has like maybe six lines in the movie. Uh, the right. role that she plays, like you said, she's like a bartender slash
1: you know dealer. I mean, she seems to be she seems yeah. to be like like uh, in charge of the chips when you walk in, and um, she even told Worm like, well, usually if you're playing on credit, you don't get to keep all of it, and that's when Worm really starts to show his his scummy uh, lights. Cause he goes in there and puts it on you know, Mike's tab and then wants to take it all. So just a, that, that that's your first instance of disliking worm.
0: Yeah, exactly. I'm taking advantage of Mike there. Famke Jansen, as I mentioned, she's famous from the X-Men movies, but prior to this movie, she was in Lord of illusions, the gingerbread man model by day. She always kind of plays like a model. Cause I think she might've been a model before she was an actress. She,
1: I put here. She was, yeah. She's like Danish or Swedish.
0: Okay, yeah, and I put here kind of a sultry, sexy, but she's kind of a dark in the shadows kind of sexy. She's not like a stripper. She's almost like a call girl, right? Where you're kind of like, she's very attractive, sexy, but she's not out there. And it's funny, like I said, it's a throwaway role. And it's funny that you were in the shower when you came up with yours because my character I went with is Abella Danger, who anyone who knows pornography would know who Abella Danger is. She's an extremely attractive. Uh, adult film star very pretty i think she looks very similar to famke jansen maybe a younger version though and again she's only got six lines so i don't care if she's got a porn background she can pull it off
1: hey i spent most of my time while i was in the shower looking for models and then finally i was just like i mean i remember this gal from Ryan Lights just being you know sultry sexy and someone who was a distraction for some so i i filled mine pretty quickly um in the end there but i think yours Someone I'm familiar with. I don't want a lot of people to get a bad light here, uh, but uh, I'm familiar with her. We're adults. uh, Go on. Familiar with her work. And uh, her and I have great chemistry together. Let me just say that. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, great pick. Uh, Like you said, you know, I don't want throwaway to come off as like a disrespectful term, but I mean, she didn't have a huge role. So it wasn't anything we needed to spend a ton of time on. I don't think either one of them needed to come in with great filmography. And I think neither one of ours did. It's just, they needed a play role. And I think both of these do, both of them um, in their, in their heyday are very sexy. So uh, I think uh, start to finish, I really enjoy our cast. I can't wait to see them. You know, once you have them all planned out, I think that's my favorite aspect of seeing those and being able to share those around and Get people's opinions and takes. Um, I know we got a good amount of votes last couple of weeks, so just hoping that momentum keeps up online, um, whether it be Twitter or Facebook. From our previews, which we did on talking About Other Shows, um, to our main entree here, our, our main feature film that we just did, to now the end credits. Do you have some almost your way?
0: I do have a couple. So for Mike, I'd mentioned I had almost dipped back into our previously recasted. I was looking at uh, Taryn Egerton as Mike, possibly and end up going with patrick schwarzenegger like i said after just watching some film clips of him i was like all right you know he could really pull this off worm was the other one i almost had i almost had uh, aaron taylor johnson from kick ass and uh, he was also quicksilver, quicksilver. in the, the x-men there not x-men he was quicksilver in uh, age of ultron right and so i almost had him as worm and then when i saw shia labeouf i'm like oh no no he is worm in real life that's what i'm going with
1: yeah yeah you seem you seem to dislike uh, shia labeouf so that was a good fit
0: i, I think oh. he's a great actor.
1: I didn't have a ton of almost, but I had a few here. So with Mike, um, you know, I originally went with Robert Pattinson, but almost I had Zach Efron, I think, you know, good looking guy fits the age, um, there. And I think also in his recent Netflix stuff, he had uh, done a, uh, Ted Bundy confession. So got all dressed up and looked as a lawyer back then. Um, so I think this is something he could have done, but I just think Robert Pattinson really has the bigger name right now. Um, a different, um, an almost for Teddy. Again, I went with Johnny Depp, um, but my almost was Woody Harrelson. I think looking at the look, I felt like he could have done that. And I think, I, I feel like maybe he could have do a believable Russian accent. Not something I've heard before, but I think Woody could probably pull it off.
0: He plays um, crazy really well.
1: Yeah, he, he does. And I think he, he, he would have really done that well. Uh, again, I mentioned it, Kanish. Um, if I wouldn't have cast it, I'm standing in Goodfellas. He would have been my slam dunk as Kanish here. Because um, I think he, he looks the part as his current state now. Joe, I had um Ashley Benson as an almost. She's been in soap operas and some like Lifetime stuff, but she also was in Pretty Little Liars, and she's a blonde that that looks, I think, you know, pretty beautiful. Um, but also someone I could have just fit in as Joe. That's it for me. Um, but again, I had fun doing this movie. It was a movie I probably wouldn't have picked. Not something I I remember seeing clips of it prior to this full watch, but not not ever the full film. So I enjoyed it. I really enjoyed John Malkovich. He's probably my favorite actor out of all these actors.
0: My MVP, I know the Field of Screens podcast, who we follow, we go back and forth with them. They have an MVP of each movie that they do. And I think my MVP would have been Edward Norton. I, I think he just absolutely crushes the role of Worm as like the loser.
1: Yeah, I mean, when you ask somebody, hey, can you go on screen and just be really hated? I mean, no nobody did a better job than him right there. I mean, I, I don't think he ever presented himself as somebody you felt sympathy for.
0: Not at all. I definitely didn't like him in the role. And actually, I don't know if that was the first movie I remember seeing him in. And then going back and sing American History X afterwards. Being like, oh, wow, that's the same
1: guy. <laughs> right. Yeah, I mean, such a, such a range for him. So I think it was a great job.
0: All right, well, that's all we got. Like I said, we don't really have any outro music, so thank you so much. Uh, we didn't mention it at the beginning, so if you stuck around to this point, follow us on Twitter at Recasted Podcast, on Facebook at Recasted Podcast, and on Instagram at Recasted Podcast 8.
1: Thank you, everybody. Please go ahead, check us out, follow us, like us, and interact with us. Have a great weekend, everybody.